the account of the crucifixion as given to us by Luke. Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and we'll commence reading at verse 13. Luke 23, verse 13. <clears throat> And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, not yet Herod, for I sent you to him. And lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were insistent with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence 
that it should be as they required. And he released unto them him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, who also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others? Let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou fear not God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent, in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just one. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. 
And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So reads God's word and we thank God for it. Now let's sing our second hymn. It's number 199. This is a translation of the Welsh hymn by a famous Welsh preacher, John Elias, great man of God, and saw wonderful conversions as he preached. Well, this is it, a wonderful hymn, 199. And was it for my sin that Jesus suffered so when moved by his all-powerful love he came to earth below? 199. Saviour comes. 
Savior who died for us, that he didn't remain dead. We thank you that he that he that was crucified and then placed in the tomb rose the third day triumphantly. And it is because of his glorious resurrection that we can sing of his atoning death today. We thank you, O Lord. truths will be forever present to our minds and that we may grasp them more deeply day by day. Grant our Father that the Savior will be more precious to us as the days go by. And Lord, as we confess our sins and our unwillingness and see how for our love for you, we pray, O oh God, that we may cast our sight upon our Savior and his dying love, and uh, we pray, O oh God, that you'll cleanse us afresh of all our sin, all our unrighteousness, all our unworthiness, everything that displeases you. Cleanse us afresh, make all things new, and help us to serve you better, and honor you before the service today throughout our world. We thank you, O Lord, that there are those who love you in uh, every continent. We pray, our Father, you bless them. And may uh, what is heard throughout our world in various places be an uplift to Christians and a challenge to non-Christians. We pray, our Father, that those difficult and dreadful circumstances, those who are facing persecution for their faith will be encouraged by the Savior and his dying love for them. We pray, O oh God, for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, those who love you there, who are meeting together, who seek to honor you glorify you. Bless their witness during their trials and difficulties and their, uh, many of them having lost their homes and livelihoods. We pray that you'll be especially near and dear to them. Lord, we pray for those who are not able to be with us here today. Have mercy upon them. Be gracious to them. We pray that the truths of the gospel will be
service to God. We pray for those going through difficulties, hardships, trials, and uh, tribulations of one kind or another. May they be conscious of them. Oh, we pray you draw specially close to us. And grant, Lord, that uh, the love of the Savior will be indeed uh, surrounding them. And they will be encouraged by them. Oh, God, hear our prayer. Continue with us in this little service. We ask these blessings through the pardon of all our sins. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. sing hymn number 223. There's another Welsh hymn, William William Cantacelli, the one who wrote, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, has given us this one. Never further than thy cross, never higher than thy feet. Here us precious things seem dross, here us bitter things grow sweet. Sorry, this is not William Williams. I do. I, I'm, I'm bringing. I'm bring, bring. Two, two, three. It's the next hymn. Sorry. Now let's sing. Let's sing. Right. Two, two, three. The enormous load of human guilt was on my Saviour laid. With woes as with a garment, he for sinners was arrayed. Two, two, three.
few moments at Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and verse 43. Jesus said unto him, that's this other chap hanging on the cross next to him, Verily I say to thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, there are seven words that Jesus, seven statements that Jesus uttered from the cross. And this is the second. The first one is also in Luke's Gospel. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the second one is this. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's an amazing fact that uh, as Jesus hung upon that cruel cross, his great concern was for others. And of course, uh, this reminds us that that is why he was in fact on the cross in the first place. It was for others and not himself. But you see, in the first of the cries from the cross, Father, forgive them. He's thinking of others. The second one, he's thinking of this, this thief and murderer next to him. And uh, this is it. He was dying for others. And as Jesus suffers that awful pain and slow torture death by crucifixion, his thoughts and words are for others. And so I want us to consider our Lord's concern for this thief. On that hill outside Jerusalem, we see three crosses lifted up against the skyline. When the Lord Jesus died, he uh, didn't die alone. On either side of him was a cross, and on each was a criminal. That's no chance happening. No doubt those responsible for crucifying Jesus thought that they were insulting Jesus, who said that, that well, he didn't deny that he was the Christ. So they thought they were insulting him by crucifying him between two malefactors, two criminals the final disgrace, as it were. Yet they didn't realize that that was all, again, part of an unseen hand, overruling all that was happening. Many centuries before Christ, God's prophet Isaiah had said, he was numbered with the transgressors and bear the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53, verse 12. And so it was fulfilled according to the plan and purpose of God that he should hang there to other, led with him to be put to death to criminals. All the events right up to the last detail. All help to show the meaning and purpose of the Lord's death. So may God help us all this morning to see the truth of Calvary and to believe the one who died there for our sins. Now, it may be that both criminals at first jeered and mocked Jesus, as it suggests in Matthew and Mark, and cursed him. But by verse 39, here in Luke, only one of them is at it. The other has become more thoughtful. And instead of repeating what everybody else were shouting, he calls out to his fellow criminal, Don't you fear God? We are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Verily, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What triumphant words, what remarkable words. Remember, they weren't spoken in the synagogue, they weren't spoken in the temple, they weren't spoken on uh, any mount with the rest of the Beatitudes or something. No, they, they weren't spoken from a pulpit. They were spoken from a cross by a man who is in agony, dying by crucifixion. They are words of conviction. They are words of assurance at a moment when all seemed lost and hopeless. Jesus regarded as someone accursed by the leaders of the Jewish people. And the people himself thought he was accursed. And yet, there is he there on the cross with this note of victory, joy, a solid hope coming from the mouth of Jesus to this dying robber, murderer, malefactor. In these words to the penitent thief, we learn some important truths concerning the person on the central cross. Who is speaking these words? Verily, I say to you, notice those authoritative words, in truth, to be more modern, in truth, I say to you, the person who amazed the crowds with his authoritative words, who commanded the wind and the sea, and they obeyed him, whose powerful word brought Lazarus from the dead. This is the same person who is now declaring boldly and confidently words of comfort and hope to this dying criminal. Though he hangs in bodily weakness and shame, the same authoritative word proceeds from his mouth that uh, proceeded earlier when he spoke, challenged, disturbed people. Verily, I say to you, truly I say to you, he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And so on throughout the Gospels, we hear this strong note. This is the truth. This is sure. I say to you, the, the authoritative I, the I am of God. Yes, he's a prophet on the cross. He's a king on the cross. Who is this dying in our place on the cross? Tis the Lord. Oh, wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. Yea, speaking with divine authority. We hear his words as much from the cross as from the Galilean mountains. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the Lord who is speaking, the authoritative Son of God, our Savior. Where is he going? It's these questions I'm putting to ourselves today, nice and easy. Who is speaking? This Lord. Where is he going? Well, Jesus speaks here of paradise. He's going to the place where all the righteous dead go. This is what was meant by paradise in Jesus' day, where all the righteous go on death. Paul refers to it in uh, 2 uh, 
Chronicles, uh, two, two Corinthians, chapter twelve, uh, in verse one, he, he speaks about I knew a man uh, fourteen years ago. He can't tell whether he was in the body or out of the body, caught up to the third heaven. And then he says in verse 4, caught up into paradise. This third heaven, this is beyond the physical universe. It is the place where God ordains to uh, be. In a way, he is nowhere else. His presence in all his glory seen there. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. That's God's home. And that's where Jesus is going. And that's where he says this, this uh, thief is going. This is the place where the Son of God belongs. This is where the Son of God came from heaven, from paradise, to live in this world. This is where the human spirit of Jesus is about to go when he dies on the cross. Remember, Jesus Christ was a perfect human being. We cannot uh, understand the immensity of this but he is both perfect God and perfect man at the same time, in the one person. But in his humanity, he is body and soul, body and spirit. And this is where the human spirit of Jesus was about to go when he died on the cross, his last words, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Body was placed in the tomb. His human spirit was with the Father in heaven, in paradise. Death is the separation of the spirit from the body, the soul from the, the body. Jesus did not go in his human spirit to hell when he died. He went to heaven when he died. Whatever that uh, phrase descended into hell means, it doesn't mean that he went to hell when he died. Hades is the place of the dead, of any dead. But uh, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, went to heaven, went to paradise. The hell that he bore was the hell that he endured during those three dark hours on the cross, just after he had spoken to this malefactor. So there we are, the Lord's Spirit in paradise. They took Jesus' body, laid it in a tomb. There is a future state, dear friends. Make no mistake about it. I know there are lots of people telling you today, when you're dead, you're dead, and that's the end of it. There's nothing else. Do not be mistaken. There is a future state. When you die, you don't cease to exist. The body perishes, but you can continue, either in heaven, in paradise, at peace, or in gloom and torment, awaiting the second death on the day of judgment. Oh, what a serious thing it is to die and to pass into the eternal world. How important that we prepare ourselves well before that day comes, before we step into eternity. How important that we, we help others, that they may know that they are safe and secure rather than in a hopeless state forever. Dear friends, Jesus Christ, when he died the death of the cross and his body was placed in the tomb, his spirit went to the Father in heaven, 
in paradise. Well, when does Jesus say he's going? When? Well, he says today. Today. As he's hanging on the cross, he can say today. There he is, dying, and he knows that that very day he will be in paradise. Don't listen to Jehovah's Witnesses and other people like that who will tell you that when you die you just lose consciousness and that that's what happened to Jesus. Well, how do they get round this statement Today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes, oh well, they say, we've got the comma in the wrong place. <laughs> yes, they say the comma uh, should be like this. Today, comma, I say to you, I'm saying this today, but about what will be <laughs> in the future. Well, that's not how it reads, I can assure you. And all the pundits are agreed against that interpretation. What is more, we have other scriptures to support the truth that at death, all believers immediately go into the presence of God into paradise, into heaven. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's what we hear in the word of God. And uh, again, the Apostle Paul says, I have a desire to depart to be with Christ which is far better. Yeah. That's wonderful, isn't it? Our spirits, very much alive, enjoying the blessing of fellowship in our heavenly home with Jesus. Safe in the arms of Jesus, as I like to put it in the words of, a, of an old-time hymn. Thee to praise, thee to no, constitute my bliss below, says old top lady. And then he goes on, thee to see and thee to know, constitute my bliss above. If believers are immediately in the glorious presence of God when they die, into what state will unbelievers find themselves? Well, it's described as a prison in some parts of the New Testament. No freedom for them at all. No joy for them. They are in torment. Their desires are unfulfilled. As Jesus suggests in that story of the rich man and Lazarus, they don't get their, what they want there. They have to endure torment until the awful day of judgment. No rest, no peace, no delight. If you're an unbeliever, you have every reason to fear death today. I don't want you to remain in that state of unbelief or fear. I want you to know there is hope. And we'll come on to that in a minute. But if you know and love the Lord, you have little cause to fear death. I know that it still might give you a bit of a flutter. I think it would me. I had a major operation. Well, it could have been life or death. I didn't know what was going to happen after. But, so there's always little flutters because it's the unknown, isn't it? We're going into something we've never experienced before. Naturally. Men fear death, says old Bacon in one of his essays, as men, as children fear to go into the dark. But it's not entirely in the dark, is it? Because we've got Jesus who said today, you can be with me in paradise. So although there might be a flutter, we know we have a hope, we have a confidence, and we have a Lord who said, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be with you. So there's great comfort there, great comfort. He who dies believing, I, I heard the organist playing that lovely hymn, German hymn, which ends with, he who dies believing 
dies safely through thy love. That's wonderful. Oh, the joy of those words. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That was Jesus' hope. How is Jesus going there? When Jesus spoke these words, he was in the worst possible position a human being could be in. He was hanging in great pain and shame on a cross. He was going to paradise via the cross. Now, let's be clear. Jesus didn't need to go that way to heaven. He didn't need himself to go via the cross. He had done no sin. He didn't deserve death. The only human being who did not deserve to die. Jesus Christ. He had come from paradise. He had taken human nature, body and soul, all through his life. He did no sin. He could have ascended bodily directly to heaven. No, no need for him uh, to uh, suffer in any way. He could have given us a lovely example of how to live and then have disappeared from the scene. But what good would that have been to us? No good at all. What's the point of having a wonderful life to follow if we can't follow him to the end? For we are sinners. We have all gone astray. There's no one good, no, not one. We can't follow, we can't keep our own good intentions, never mind God's holy commandments. We need more than an example, we need a saviour. And the Lord Jesus came for this very purpose. He told his disciples, I've come to give my life a ransom for many. I've come to seek and to save the lost. Though he didn't have to go the way of the cross for himself, but he went to paradise via the cross for others, for people like you and me, for sinners like us. And on the cross, he suffered what human sin deserves. On the cross, Jesus preaches the gospel, the way to God, the way to heaven, the way to paradise is through the atoning death of Jesus on Calvary. He had already said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. On the cross, he says, this is the way. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is the way. There's no other way. Only via the cross. Now then, let's see how all this applied to the penitent criminal and to us. In this conversation with this thief, we have the clearest picture we could ever have of the gospel, of the love of God toward undeserving people like ourselves. So let me ask the same questions. Who is Jesus talking to? Well, he's talking to a hardened criminal who had committed crimes that the Roman authorities regarded as worthy of death by crucifixion. A person who had no regard for either God or man. Both he and his fellow criminal had perhaps, they may well have served in Barabbas's gang. They got these three crosses there ready. They weren't sure about who would be on one of them because uh, Pilate was uh, bartering with the people. Well, I can let Jesus off and uh, let, let's get Barabbas out of the way. He's the baddie. But no, they said, you'll let Barabbas go free and put Jesus on the cross. They, they were so wicked and evil that uh, they wanted to get rid of a good man and they wanted to save a criminal. 
It's all preaching to us the, the cross, you understand. It's amazing, isn't it? But there we are. So, they all three were probably in the same gang, all violent, merciless men. So this thief, he'd got no moral or religious background, it wouldn't appear. Nothing to offer that would commend him to God's favor. Here was a wasted life, and now he's about to die. And he's, he's also suffering great agony. Capital punishment he's receiving. And uh, the Romans... They didn't give them a quick departure out of this life in their capital punishments. They wanted, to, wanted them to suffer as long as possible in the worst possible state before they died. Well, you couldn't have anything worse than crucifixion. And that's a, that'll put the fear into everybody else, you see, so that they wouldn't misbehave in this way. This is what you can expect. So that's the person who's on the cross. He's a baddie. He's a real baddie. And he knows he's a baddie. Where is this criminal going? Where is he heading? If anyone deserved hell, surely he did. Along with his associates. But Jesus promises him paradise. Heaven, you, you will be with me in paradise. There's no opportunity for him to do any good works. There's no time for him to do any penance. There's no way he can be baptized. There's no way he can receive communion. He's in no position to join a church. And yet... He's promised a place in heaven. Of course, if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, and you've got the opportunity, then you'll want to be baptized, and you'll want to identify yourself with the local church, and you'll want to have fellowship with believers and meet around the Lord's table with them. and You'll want to do things that are good and well-pleasing in God's sight. But of course, none of those things can put you right with God. No Christian activities of ours will put us right with God. As Paul says to Titus, it's not according to our works which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. This thief was going to heaven solely on account of the mercy and grace of God. And that will be true of all who are in heaven. No one will be in heaven who will be boasting about what they've done to get themselves there. All their boast will be in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paradise for a criminal like this? Yes, if he repents and believes. Paradise for pedophiles? Yes, if they repent and believe. Paradise for rapists? Yes, if they repent and believe. No one is outside of God's mercy. The worst of criminals, there's hope for the vilest. The worst person on earth. No one need despair that they are too far gone in sin for God to have mercy upon them and save them through Jesus' blood. But then, when is he going to paradise? Surely not straight away. Surely not. Yeah, maybe God is kind and gracious, not sending him to hell on account of Jesus. Maybe one day he'll get to heaven but surely he needs a bit of work done to him before he gets there. <laughs> surely he needs some time in, uh, in, uh, in purgatory. Surely he needs some cleaning up. Surely. But there's no mention of purgatory in this passage of Scripture, is there? What does Jesus say? 
Today you will be with me in paradise. Not tomorrow, not in a few years' time or centuries. Today, this very day, when you pass from this world to the next, you will be with me in paradise. No time for purgatory. Straight to heaven. In fact, there is no place called purgatory, actually. The Bible has no account of it, makes no mention of it. There's a place for the lost, and there's a place for the saved. And there's a great gulf between. So we either go to one heading in for destruction, or we're heading for everlasting life with God in heaven and the future glory. Oh, what a comfort to this man, suffering the torments of crucifixion. Yes, I expect he might have thought he was suffering a lot of hell there on the cross. But there's nothing to what Jesus was about to suffer during the three hours of darkness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This, this, this uh, thief on the cross was not forsaken by God. There on the cross, he knew God's presence. He knew God's forgiveness. He knew God's salvation. So the final question is a very natural one. How? How could he possibly get to heaven? A chap like him, a vile creature like him. How can a thief, a vagabond, a murderer possibly get to heaven that very day? Don't we know all about the justice of God? God is just. God will by no means clear the guilty, will he? Expect God to be righteous and true to his word. And the, the soul that sins will die. Yeah, that's very true. But how will he get then? How is this man able, how is Jesus able to say to this man, today you will be with me in paradise? Very simply, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus and all he did on that cross. This uh, criminal will get to paradise and be in paradise with Christ because of Christ. He wouldn't, get to, he wouldn't get to paradise without Christ. You see, there's another thief on that other cross, the other side of Jesus. Jesus has no word of comfort for him. That other thief died still ridiculing the Lord Jesus Christ. He died without Christ. He didn't go to where Christ would be. He remained stubborn. He remained unbelieving. He remained hard. He remained unrepentant. But not so this penitent thief. He saw that he was a guilty sinner deserving punishment. And he began to fear God. For the first time in his life, the reality of God and of eternity faced him. He was about to face his maker. He was about to face his judge. To give an account of his sordid life. He realized it. He knew he deserved God's punishment. There upon the cross, self was broken. A repentant spirit was seen in him. And he turned to the one on that middle cross. He saw somebody there quite different from anyone else he had seen during his life. He saw a kind, a good, an innocent person dying in the place of Barabbas. How could that happen? Why isn't Barabbas here? Jesus is there. He can see that he is in the place of Barabbas. If he's in the place of Barabbas, he's in my place condemned. You see, this is how God works, you know, in the spirit of humanity. Little truths. He didn't have much to go on, this man, but he had something. And uh, the gospel truths were hitting him. And he turns to the one who found prayer easy who had prayed for the forgiveness of his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One who is called king of the Jews, 
Is this the Messiah? And uh, there was something kingly about him there on the cross. Something never seen before. He might have seen people dying on crosses many a time. But there he sees something kingly about him, even in his death. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And so he appeals to him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. On that dark day, his faith shines out like a a ray of sunshine. He embraced the crucified Christ. He identified himself with him. He knew was uh, an innocent man. And uh, he knew that Jesus had the power to save him from the wrath to come. And so the Lord assured him of salvation that day. And by so doing, he proclaims to all that there is life and salvation. There, are, there is access into God's holy presence. There is hope of heaven to all who come like this penitent criminal to the Savior who died for sinners like him. Jesus has opened up the gates of heaven to all who repent, to all who recognize their sin and folly, to all who see their need and come humbly to the Lord Jesus and embrace him. Have you identified yourself with Jesus Christ today? Yes, we come to church. We come on a good Friday to church to remember these things. But have you done this for yourself? Have you actually embraced Jesus for yourself? The one who suffered the physical and spiritual agony of the cross. Who uh, tasted the wrath of God and the hell that we sinners deserve. Oh, dear friends, remember this account of the dying thief who repented of his sins and looked to Jesus to save him. Oh, may you do that if you've never done it before and find peace and hope and eternal security. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. One hundred and ninety-eight, we will close. Mentions the dying thief in here. William Cooper's hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away.
wonderful, gracious words from the cross. Thank you that Jesus speaks to us from the cross. Thank you that there is life to look at this one who died for sinners on the cross. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.